welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's the day after the Portuguese Grand Prix with myself, Nigel Chu, and I'm joined by two people. Yes, two people. There's no introduction this week. I can't really think of one. I'm joined by Adam Dickinson <laughs> and Freddie Coates. How are you both doing after the race? Tired. Well, it's the morning after. Well, so, yeah, the morning yeah. after. Tired, sleep deprived. Got a lot of more busy. But yeah, I can. I was. I considered having my first ever coffee this morning, but in the end, I decided I'd keep that particular powder dry for another big event in my life. It powder. It's the morning after the race before, and we're all here, hungover from the craziness that wasn't Portimao. Um, I don't know. I'm quite wide awake, but I'm. I'm. I'm disappointed, guys. I'm disappointed with the line of duty finale, and I think <laughs> this needs top billing because. Um, Six seasons since 2012 or 2011. Hold on, can I, Nigel, do you up. watch Line of Duty? I don't watch Line of Duty. I know a bit. All our listeners no, I, 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 I thought that was interesting because I don't either. I'm more of a Sherlock severely... person, to be honest. Yeah, well, so. You should appreciate back. it as well. Um, six series has been building up and then they go Is and give us back? that episode. What? Oh. Let Freddie speak. Let me speak. I'm having a rant. It will get, it'll finish quicker. It's like taking medicine. The quicker you do it, the quicker it's done. Um, I'm your medicine. And um, it, yeah, it came to that and it was okay. But will there be a season seven? Hit me up with your thoughts. At Fred Coast 1999 on Twitter. Um, that's all I've got to say. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for that, Freddie. Speaking of seven, the seven-time world champion took the win. For the second time this year in 2021, uh, it wasn't the best qualifying from Hamilton. In fact, he said it was one of his worst performances ever, yet he's still only seven thousands off Bottas. But he bounced back when it mattered. Uh, it's his 97th victory in Formula 1, eight-point lead over Verstappen in the championship. Uh, what do you think the key moments were in the race uh, on his way to victory? Well, I think one of the key moments could have been a safety car restart. Which Bottas, um, I don't know, felt a bit weird. Nailed. And he kind of screwed over Hamilton because Max got an absolute flyer. Um, but that wasn't the key moment because Hamilton initially it looked like Verstappen was going to challenge Bottas, and then Hamilton was able to come back and overtake Verstappen with quite. It was just a really clinical move. Like it was DRS, but it just looks so cold blooded in the you know <laughs> in the way. He just like gave Verstappen no defence at all. And then, again, he overtook Bottas with a nice sweeping move around the outside of Turn 1. So I think those are the two key moments. I guess the start as well, in the fact that Mercedes were able to keep 1-2. It looked like Hamilton might be able to challenge Bottas, but in the end, he wasn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There weren't that many... I guess the key moment for Verstappen was being able to overtake Bottas and get into that second place. And take another three points or not lose another three points to the two Mercedes. Adam's exactly right. Um, Hamilton raced to victory and <laughs> did it in the best way he could do. He, he got he got passed very quickly on the other guys. Um, first Mercedes from Verstappen, he capitalised, was able to tuck into the toe and get past. Um, managed to draw Bottas into some quite aggressive defence, which we've seen by other drivers at this track and at Famously at Suzuka, if you sort of stick to your line, you're more likely to stay ahead than if you defend. Um, and Bottas was drawn into the defence through the fear of Hamilton. Hamilton got past. Um, and then 
what was impressive for me later on was the fact that Hamilton was the guy for the tyres. Everyone was struggling with tyres all weekend. Hamilton was as well. But Hamilton was able to keep more consistent with her. I don't know if it's because he was in the lead or whatnot, but even though he was still absolutely pushing, he was raining, wringing the neck of that car, but he was able to keep the gap and um, was able to do the job on the cold tyres as well when he came out of the pits because Verstappen closed two and a half seconds on his on Hamilton's outlap because Verstappen had warmer tyres, but Hamilton was able to gather himself from that and just push on and on and on. And yeah, it would deserve 97th victory. Yeah, I think last year his Portugal drive was very impressive too. He dropped down to fourth or fifth, then came mm-hmm. through and overtook Bottas. I said this year was actually a little bit harder given the act to overtake Verstappen. Yeah. And I think his two moves were very brave to go around the outside because they weren't completely done. He still had to do a well, bit more of the wheel-to-wheel stuff. He went up the inside of Verstappen. Yeah, um, he did, yeah. He, he, went, he got right up to the wall. And he, he like and the way he then defended that going into... Because um, Verstappen came back at him going into turn three. And the way he defended that and really sort of basically drove... What's happened almost into the gravel is um, just exactly what we're going to see from this fight between those two this year. Take back from um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because mm. Verstappen's not going to hold back. Hamilton's not going to hold back with him either. If there's any chance to absolutely just walk him away, he's going to take it. And that's why he went around the outside for Bottas, because that's a kind of cleaner move. But he can do a more aggressive, much more aggressive um, move that will really impact Verstappen. On Verstappen, he's thinking about who he's racing. And he's doing that when he's still picking up on a mistake like that. The mistake was at turn 14 for Verstappen. By turn one, Hamilton was already deciding how he's going to race this guy. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add on Hamilton's performance, Adam? Um, no, other, other than that he got the win at a track where Mercedes clearly had the faster car. And that's important because there'll be, I think, we, I think Imola and Bahrain... Um, Verstappen and Hamilton kind of got wins on the others hunting ground really in terms of where the cars look strongest um, but this win was just what was expected I guess he was very close to pole it would have been nice to for some circularity to see him get his 100th pole where he broke Schumacher's record but that didn't happen but he came back I think actually one thing I've just thought of is he would you say he's got a slight weakness at starts or restarts because he's been, it, it, I kind of thought of it before the season, but then that's twice now in three races that um, Verstappen has taken him in that area. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's, yeah, it's just um, circumstance, really. Um, the wet start's a wet start. That's different. Um, but Hamilton still got a much better start than Perez alongside there. And, it, it was it was a mistake in the, the safety car restart because he was just checking his dash and or not his dash. He took one glance at Verstappen and Bottas had gone, um, and that obviously allowed Bottas Verstappen to get alongside and Verstappen had to lift a bit because Verstappen's run was so good. So it was a mistake there, but um, I don't think it's an overall weakness. I think Hamilton's normally pretty bang on with starts. Although Bottas got a fantastic launch at the grid today, yesterday it was a brilliant start for Bottas, which is which is rare we say that. I don't think Hamilton's any worse or better than, say, you know, the average or the best starters, I'd say. 
I think it's the way he comes back through the field is where Hamilton's fantastic if he has a bad start, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it kind of, what you said there, Nigel, I think that's kind of it. I think his starting ability is no worse than average, but I just that uh, it's it's maybe not as big a strength as a lot of other areas of his racing. I don't really remember him ever being a lightning starter over his whole career, to be honest. It's not, as you said, Freddie, it, to me, I don't, that's not why I associate him with, but I think that'll just be one to watch through the season. I'll be interested yeah, to see. But I don't think there's any drivers who start is the strength, really. Because, I mean, Bottas, yes, he's had some good starts, but he's also had, had some horrible ones. So I don't think when you're, no when you're, stands out. When you're so high up the grid, the starts look less spectacular anyway. If you're far down the back, we had this was Stroll a few years ago where he was in the Williams way far back and he was just became pretty brilliant at positioning his car in quite lucky positions and just diving down. If Hamilton was in that position in a kind of a, a not great car at the back, maybe he could be fantastic just launching through. But his, he's, he's got such a different attitude to these kind of things. And it's more about damage limitation if he has a bad start rather than going for Banzai moves because he's easy in a championship fight all the time. And if he's getting a start from second into first, that's fantastic. And if that's, say, in a midfield car from 14th to 11th, it would be considered brilliant. And it, it's that kind of thing. It's just the ability to show it at the top is, is different, I think. Uh, but, but you're right it's 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 not like the easiest thing to measure in Formula 1 drivers just a point to pick on from what Adam said before I think you mentioned Hamilton should have won but I really do think Verstappen missed quite a few chances to win I think he had the fastest time in Q3 not the fastest time in qualifying but in Q3 when it mattered only for it, the lap time to be deleted because of track limits he then nailed the restart, got past Hamilton, and he made that mistake, which allowed Hamilton to get get back past. And I think I think Verstappen, I won't say bottled it, but I think he made too many errors, and I think it was a pretty poor weekend for his high standards. I, I do think he missed a chance to win, and I really do. Uh, have you guys got any thoughts on that? I agree with that. Um, I think precisely you're right about the mistake he made to allow Hamilton through the um, which is really costly swaffer he got on in turn 14. Um, and a similar kind of thing in turn four in qualifying, basically denied him pole, um, like you say, because had he, uh, it was completely out of his control, but it was within the the laws of track limits why it was deleted, and that's fair enough. Um, he, he was, after the race, he was um, a bit disappointed, but he kind he expected the Mercedes to win. He um, He didn't, he, everything he was saying was a bit like, even if I did get into the lead, even if I did start on pole, Lewis would have got past Valtteri and got past me. And I don't know if he's telling himself that. I think he is a bit, but I think Verstappen could have been in the fight for a win a lot more than he's telling himself. And I, I think, think that's the he, right thing for him to tell himself. But. I think if he can tell himself that and believe it, that's arguably scarier because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, that... We know he's got a great mentality, but that's just another level. Um, I think he did he did decent to get second, to be honest. I think that was probably the most likely position for him. And he made a good move on Bottas when Bottas was mm. still coming out on cold tyres. So, yeah, I, I don't think it was... I don't think kind of he'll look back on it as really a race loss, but, you know, I can... And see why you think that. Yeah, it would have. It would have been bad if he'd finished third, but he finished second. Yeah. And still, there's only two drivers this year who's finished first and second, and that's Hamilton and Verstappen. 
So if we, if he can carry that through, then that's as good as it can be for him at the moment. In terms of driving, I'd say it's one of his worst performances since 2019. Over the whole weekend or just the race? The whole weekend, I'd say, yeah. Well, I really do. The result might not show that, but in terms of driving, I, I really yeah. think it was well below par. And I think that's he just... had missed a chance to win on perhaps Mercedes circuit. And, and, you know, ultimately you do have to have an almost perfect, if not a perfect weekend to beat Hamilton and Mercedes. And I can't help but feel, well, Verstappen could have won. I know I know you could say should have, could have, would have. But he could have won all three races and he could have been on pole at all three races as well. But he hasn't. He's only had one each. And I think Portugal just kind of showcased that a bit more. I, I really do think mm. it was a massive opportunity that, that he missed. I I think that's testament to why he was so at peace at the end of the end of the weekend. He's he, he's really come to terms with this fight, and he's really really come to terms with how hard this is going to be for him. And um, this is just it's going. I think he's really sort of realised how much work he's going to have to put in. And, and I think I don't know if he's sort of forgiving himself for Hamilton being so good. And I think that's the wrong motive, motion to go down if he is. But I think he's really realising um, that he's got to be absolutely top-notch, as you say, to have any any chance of carrying this championship through the year. Mm, I think as I saw kind of a headline that Rosberg had said, Verstappen is finally realising how good Hamilton is, which I don't know, you know, a lot of stuff gets taken out of context, but it does... It does seem like that, but I think to, for him to win, I think a lot of things would have had to go right. I think it would have been. I think. Well, that's what Nigel's saying is like the things that went wrong if they'd gone right, and the things that went wrong were in Verstappen's control. It wasn't like things out of his control went wrong. It's it's mm. it's it's too much. What if? It's too much. What if for me because. The Red Bull was set up for qualifying. The Red Bull wasn't set up for the race. The Red Bull was set up with more wing than the Mercedes was. The Mercedes was designed to overtake and have a bit of that top line speed so they could defend. And that was the perfect thing for Mercedes. Red Bull didn't go down that route. And that's why Verstappen couldn't get past and could get past um, by with Bottas and Hamilton respectively. So it's sort of, I think it's a lesson for Red Bull sort of in how they choose to uh, approach these weekends because they won championships by going for a qualifying setup rather than a race setup. So are they going to be carrying on with that kind of mindset or are they going to be thinking, okay, we're so close. We've got to sort of attack this like a midfield team and focus on a racier setup rather than a um, sort of more perfection setup. I think that's easier as well when they, it's only two cars. If there was a Ferrari mixed in there as well, and suddenly if you have a bad qualifying, you could be starting sixth versus here, you know, fourth, probably third or even second you can probably afford to make a mistake and still beat Bottas and Perez at certain circuits. So, I don't know. I, I, I still think you can't take too much away from it. For me, if he starts on pole position, he wins it. Because with Bottas in second, I think Hamilton, Hamilton will, wins drop, it. will be five seconds behind or whatever and can't yeah. the call or whatever. And, if he, right. and, and he had the chance, like I said, when he overtook Hamilton. Once he overtook Hamilton, I thought he was favourite for the win. But then he made a crucial mistake at the wrong time. And I think this is the thing. He's making key errors at key moments. He did it in Bahrain as well when he went off the track. And he's done it two or three times this weekend. Even on the fastest lap thing, he went wide at turn 14 and lost that 
extra point. So for me, he's made three key errors at important times in the weekend. It depends how you... you can probably count three key errors for Hamilton, but these they've not uh, bit him in the same way. They were at crucial moments, though, I don't think. And I think that's, that's the thing. It's those pressure, high-intensity moments. And I think that Verstappen, that's where he's losing out at the moment, I'd say. It's the key errors are different um, with with Hamilton. There weren't really any errors with with sort of the positioning of the car in terms of he didn't drop the car and lose the back end or anything. Or look, we saw Verstappen did a couple of times over the weekend at crucial points, as Nigel says. And it's kind of it's a hard thing to say because they're very different cars. But it's looking like in this weekend, it looked like the Rebel was the more sensitive car, which is a complete role reversal for the first race weekend, um, where the Mercedes was the topsy turvy. Um, rear end instability car, but that was it was so heightened by the wind this weekend and the um, the track surface that was has still not been rubbered in because it's just been winter, so everything's been washed off over the past five or six months anyway. So they need another summer or two there to actually get some grip into that track. And I, Barcelona, I think, will be more key for that. I don't think this is a true pecking order this this race because of the the low grip conditions. So I think Barcelona yeah. Rebel will be much closer. Yeah, I think it's it seems like Hamilton's he made the error at the restart today. He obviously made a big one at Imola and he got that big oversteer at Bahrain when Verstappen was closing in just before he overtook him. But it's just not affected him in the same way, be it because Verstappen's then made errors after that. I don't know. But yeah, I I think, yeah, like you say, Freddie, it's, it'll be interesting to see where we're at in Spain, but this is a championship that will punish errors. It's not, yeah. well, we, we, you know, we saw last season Bottas would be half a second behind Hamilton and still be second by another half a second back to the next driver. It's not like that. There are these small errors that will be punished and that's what we want from the sport. Yeah, let's talk a bit about Bottas. Even though he got poor, it never really felt like he was going to win, unfortunately. It, it, it just kind of felt like a matter of when he would be overtaken or out-strategized. Out-played. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the others. Beaten. So, <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't, it's difficult with Bottas. I just, it's going to be hard for him to win a race, I'd say, with Verstappen and Howardson performing where they are. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it, there wasn't that kind of impression that there was that steal from Bottas this weekend. He got pole because he did a, an okay job in Q3, but everyone did an okay job in Q3. No one did a good job in Q3. And it was, it was, it was, there's not really much to say. You, you've summed it up pretty nicely there, Nigel, but it's just, there, there wasn't that killer instinct during the race. He, he put himself in the position to be outplayed in strategy, to out-strategize, out-strategic, as you say. And because um, because he just didn't quite have that pace. And that's just classic Bottas, not quite getting the tyres into the right window, not quite being able to find... He's sort of on a... To say the like gap of the tyres is like like 56 out of 100, say he was on 57 and Hamilton and Verstappen on 56. And... That's a really, I don't know why I've said 56, but go with it. And um, it's he's just that 1% off and it throws the whole weekend off camber and puts him in third. And that's it. But he did well to get pole. He did well to stay in the fight at the front because Perez got dropped back 
um, and wasn't able to be any any um, wasn't able to have any impact there. But that's only that's comparing Bottas to the second Red Bull because that's that's his position really. Hamilton's able to just push and push and push and just draw to such a level that Bottas wasn't able to. I mean, I was impressed that he was able to stick with Verstappen for so long into the race until he had his um, sensor change issue that threw him. Out of, out of the running for second but I did think he probably could have got second now I've said all of that but so he had good pace just not at the right points yeah I think I was about to echo that I think second was definitely on the cards for him and yeah it's just I think it, it's felt from the start of the season since we saw where Red Bull's pace was and where Verstappen was that it was you know not going to be the typical season for Bottas and he has just you know, he's been completely second fiddle. He's been, as you say, in the Perez bracket rather than the Hamilton and Verstappen bracket. Um, and it's just, I think it was a big opportunity missed because Mercedes didn't use team orders. It was, you know, completely theirs to race and Bottas is to make the best fist of it he could. And later in the season, we saw at Sochi 2019 that Mercedes will, will use team orders if their championship position is in threat. And it's a bigger threat this season, I think, than it was then. So, you know, it was a big opportunity for Bottas and he just didn't do it. There's not, like you say, Freddie, there's not really much to say on it. It's just, he's just slightly not as good as Hamilton and Verstappen. I, I if mean, you're... No, I was just going to say, I think it's his best weekend of the year so far. But yeah. like I said, it wasn't quite good enough. And I don't think it's entirely he can be entirely blamed for not getting second because Mercedes did have a slightly slower pit stop than Red Bull. And that right. half a second or whatever it was might have cost him precious time. Yes, he slid the tires and stuff, but yeah, what, what, what have you got to add, ready? Um, just on Adam's team orders point, if you're Bottas, would you rather be in the fight for the win and finish third? Would you rather be second because Mercedes were clinical with their team orders? I think Bottas would rather be third but fight for the win. But yeah. I think, yeah, for, for, it's, been, it, it's just that 10 race is too early for Mercedes to even consider saying the phrase wingman. But um, who knows? It, it, it's just that if there's a glaring pace differential between Hamilton and Bottas in race three, then you can do team orders, but it's just that little bit too early. And Bottas at that point was still in second. So it's, it's a hard one, the team orders that early on debate. I mean, anyone who's, who's, who's paid attention to Ferrari's early 2000s exploits as I have will be, will attest to that. But anyway. Well, Ferrari in 2019 at Melbourne, they swapped um, Leclerc and, Vettel. No, they didn't. They just said whole position. Get your no, points. Yeah, sorry, that's it. Um, but and then Leclerc went wide anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I don't know. I think you think Red Bull in that position would would have swapped the drivers. I think they would personally because there's that dynamic of Perez brought into the team to be the second driver. No, yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. There is that dynamic, but. There isn't the pace differential because Perez, if Perez is in that position as well, Perez is doing well. He's doing well enough to be in that position. That's the hard thing. Team orders are really hard to play when you've got a third car on your back. And if there's if there's four cars there, if you play team orders, you'll just get overtaken straight away unless you're able to sort of navigate a one-two. But if you're able to navigate a one-two, you keep the one-two as best you can. And by making one driver slow down a bit and potentially get overtaken, then 
it's a really hard one to play. It, it's a really I rare situation, but I think what Horner, we... he's he spent the last eight years or whatever being so annoyed at Mercedes <laughs> and being them coming in every hour, oh, we're going to beat them, and then we're second off and it's bad. And I don't know. I think I think he probably would to be honest. I think he really pathologically wants to win this with Verstappen. You would though. You really would. Mm. Put all your effort into this team. And then by some annoying turbo hybrid regulation, you start losing it. And then you try to do other differences and you lose it more in your own with your own car. And then eventually you get up to a championship fight and you're like, yes, we're gonna have this. And if you lose it, you just I don't know. I don't know how crushing that would be. For all of chirpy Austrian team principal. (laughs) Get her burger. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Uh, Gerhard Berger wasn't competing this weekend in Portugal. Someone who was is Lando Norris, and I think for the third consecutive race, he finished one place ahead of Charles Leclerc, which, yeah, that did happen in Imola, didn't it? Mm. It happened yes. in Bahrain, going off memory. So, yet again, Norris coming out on top in the Ferrari and McLaren battle. I guess it's just a bit more of the same of what he's been doing so far in 2021. Perhaps not quite as impressive, but he's getting the result in the end. It's... Well, I think what, what makes it maybe more impressive is the fact that it's not notable or it's less notable now. Because, and I, I, I thought this kind of putting together my winners and losers piece that it's not him finishing fifth and Leclerc finishing sixth last season at the start of this season. That'd be, you know, a bigger thing. Whereas this is, it's, Kind of not expected, but it, it feels like kind of the most likely outcome or, or easily within reach for him. And I think that's that's not to take anything away from this performance. It's just to show how he's elevated himself over the off-season, over the start of the season. Um, so, yeah, again, it was, it was just a tidy race. I think he got um, taken by Ocon at the start or on the first lap and then managed to get back past. It just seemed to be quite quiet, to be honest. He just plugged away and did very well and finished four seconds ahead of the Ferrari. And yeah, it's he's just he's just putting together such a quietly good campaign. And it's you know, again, Ricardo, I'm sure we'll come on to him later, but he's you know, there's no doubt who is leading the team at the moment. It's hard to judge championship positions from the first three races in a twenty three race series. But um He's third by a chunk. He's 37 points in thirds. And um, Bottas in fourth is like, what, 30-odd? He's like... I mean, that's enough for Bottas to supersede quite quickly. But um, it's still a really, you know, well-deserved position in the championship. And he started seventh in every race. And he's he's gone up in every race. Uh, fourth, third, um, fifth. And that's fantastic. And I think, I think to be honest, there's more to come from Norris because I think he'd be qualifying fifth or sixth in the future races. I don't think there's, I don't think there's steps back for him if he does that. I think in Barcelona and Monaco, if he qualifies fifth or sixth, then um, he's finishing there. So mm. I don't see any negative future in the next few races, at least for Norris. Um, there were flashes of pace from Ricardo in practice, and he had a storm in race to be honest aided by a strategy but he got through the field pretty well early on as well um on harder tires um but his qualifying just was was beggar's belief i have no idea he made it what a lock up into like 
turn 12, um, yeah. turn 13. But to be honest, compared to the amount of time he did lose to Norris, it was second and point one, second and point one, one point one seconds. But um, that's 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 minimal. So he just, just drove a bad lap. He just drove bad qualifying. It, it, yeah, I think that's the bigger question. Is Norris is doing fantastically? Adam's given a fantastic rundown of how fantastic he's doing with his with his basically rejuvenated spirit and leading of the team. But I think well, there's more questions about Ricardo's yeah, ability I, to I adapt. I was surprised how far Ricardo is because I think we all expected he would take some races. But are we surprised by the gap? Completely. Yes. I, 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 I think I've said before. I was kind of worried for Norris. I thought he'd be in a very tough position and Ricardo has done this to drivers with much more complete F1 CVs than Norris and yeah it's it's just so far there's kind of been no indication of Ricardo being able to do that it's yeah it, it, it's a massive surprise I know we'll have to wait you know more races to see where they stack up and you know it's only when we get to the end of the season that we, we'll be able to properly put a pin in it but we can only go off what we've seen so far and what we've seen so far compared to what we've seen from Ricardo and Norris as teammates um, and previously in other teams or with other, with other partners, then, you know, it's, it's a break from that, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just, like I said there, it's just, it, it's just a surprise. I mean, I think Ricardo, we've seen him change teams and do well. Uh, that Like, you went from Red Bull to Renault. I don't know how different in characteristics they are, but he struggled at first. But then the way he got on top of that mid, like early on in the season, he was, he was, I don't know, by Canada or something. It was six-one in qualifying to Ricardo. And by that point, he was just soaring ahead of Hulkenberg um, in 2019. <laughs> and I kind of expected the same from from this year. I expected Ricardo to sort of come in, wobble a bit in the first few races, but then just to sort of pick away at the way he supersedes Norris. And I don't know, a little bit of me still thinks that can happen, but I don't. Norris is just putting in such a campaign that if Ricardo can get on that level, that's a success for Ricardo now. And that's, that's so weird to say, considering he was a driver who was fighting for podiums week in, week out last year um, with Ricardo. So I, I think there's just, slightly more things that need to change from Ricardo. This driving, this car has def, definitely has worked with the way Norris has changed his style. He's said a few times they need to drive it slightly differently this year, but he's clearly got on top of that. Ricardo is clearly a much bigger change for him to drive with a Mercedes engine with an entirely new car. Um, I think he's driven a Renault engine his entire career, apart from when he was at Toro Rosso. So it's... Um, it's and the brakes big... are a big thing as well. Oh, the brakes. Okay, that's interesting. Um the, then the brakes are different as well, so we need to deal with that. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to look at surface things, but yeah, there's probably so much more to it. I think it's just it's just all new. He's got to relearn how to be a Formula One driver. You have, you have, but other drivers have changed teams as well, and they have showed something. Perhaps they, they perhaps they haven't beaten their teammates, but they you know showed indications. I think other than Bahrain, where Ricardo was okay, I'd say. I don't think he, he, he hasn't exactly lit up the world. And you've got to start producing at some point. You can't just keep waiting race after race. Because if we're having this conversation in a month's time, then I think that's a real problem. You know? Yeah. I, um, I think... 
I'm, I'm going to wait to the end of the season because if we're having this conversation in a month's time, oh, but then, the but season. then from, well, but but then from you know June or July onwards, then he beats Norris every single race. That's you know that, that's fine. Ricardo's earned the the chance to wait in the past ten years of his Formula One career. To be fair, he's proven success. He's a Grand Prix winner. He's a I don't know, thirty odd podium, something like that. It's he, he's definitely got the right to have a stay of execution. Um, so, I mean, but if he's if he's still not there at the end of the season, I think there's questions about this contract. To be honest, mm. I th- I'd, I'd agree with that. It doesn't in the grand scheme of things. He'll take time to get up to speed, but I think it's where he is when he does get up to speed. To me, when because we know what he can do, we've seen that in two or three or four, I guess, if you count HRT um, teams, <laughs> that he he is a very good driver, and he was able to displace Vettel from Red Bull, the four-time right. reigning world champion Vettel, and yeah, I, I just think. It, it's not ideal, clearly. And if we're still having this conversation in a month's time, then that will be even less ideal. But <laughs> it, it's, no way. It, it's as much as it's balancing how long it takes for him to click with how fast he is when he does click. And if he feels like he's got on top of the car and he's still level pegging or a tenth behind Norris, that will be more of a concern than if he takes three months to get on top of the car. But then can be challenging Perez when he does. I think my problem is is that I think it's a genuine lack of pace whereas other drivers who've changed teams, they've shown something or they might have made mistakes, which is the reason why they've had a bad result, whereas Ricardo hasn't made any major errors. It is just a genuine raw pace issue. Where does that come from then? Because we know he's not a slow driver. He's 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 done well, he's done good jobs relatively though. He's He's finishing the points in every race. He um, he has had I don't know if Norris just hides it so well until qualifying, but he's he's particularly this weekend he's shown a lot of relative pace to Norris across practice. Um, it, realistically, looking at the weekend with a deep dive, it's qualifying that's let him down, and that was atrocious. Is qualifying the way it's let him down, but looking at the qualifying session later on, it seemed to be. If you get your lap at the right point, it's a great lap. If you get your lap at a slightly different point, it's a woeful lap. So I don't know if he got caught out by that, if you give him a bit of a reprieve, because he did come back in the race and he came back through very quickly. There was only one retirement, but he was still um, up to 13th or 12th at the restart, basically, and was plugging away, plugging away, and finished in the points, uh, finished ninth in the end. Um, So... In the background, there is actually relative pace there, to be honest. It's just, I think there's just there's still a slight insecurity there. And I think it probably is just more just getting rid of those slight insecurities. So in the qualifying one session where it's not going well for him, he's half a second off, say, not 1.1 seconds off in that session, and then can probably fight in a similar vein later on and probably be seventh or eighth with Norris in a similar position later on. So there are glimmers there. It's not that I don't think it's that he's lost pace. I think it's that he um, sometimes is struggling to unlock said pace. Mm. It, it would, to me, it would just be, you know, un, so un that I can't even think of the world. Um, unprecedented that, you know, to lose that 
to drop that amount of pace that quickly when you know he was comfortably beating Ocon last season to then being you know second behind Norris this season. I don't know. I, Having seen what's happened with Sebastian Vettel, I am open to you know, a potential situation with Ricardo happening. I don't that think was over a longer period of time. What was that? Sorry, that was over a longer period of time. I'd say it kind of happened eighteen to nineteen when Leclerc replaced Raikkonen. Nineteen to twenty. Yeah, and, yeah, and that as well. Yeah. I, I, Vessel, I was, he... Vessel was fighting for pole in Brazil and USA 2019. He was ahead of Leclerc at the end of the season. Um, it's kind of like Vettel didn't lose his pace. Vettel lost his complete, utter will with Ferrari. When there was a will with Ferrari, he was on the podium in Turkey. It's, it's a hard one to sort of talk about because... We're going off topic. Yeah, we are going off topic, but we're talking about sort of driver yeah, mentality yeah. relating to performance and if the if there are more awful results like qualifying for Ricardo, then then the mentality will come in. But he's got the the mentality issues will come in, and he will start to think about himself in that way. And I'm sure he already is slightly, but um, there are a lot of ways he can step back and look at it. He's got a team around him that's completely supportive. Is that Brown Andreas Seidel? I want them standing behind me, just saying, "Go on, Freddie, for the, everything," because I think they would do, and they are doing with Daniel and definitely Lando, and they've got such a character in that team that I really think that if there's any team that you can turn around your mojo in it's it's um it's McLaren and he's got the still got the fullback of disrupted opening season new car and all of that he's got three days of testing in the car we've only had three Grand Prix so he's had 15 days 12 days in the car um yeah. that's it count the filming day um and that's been at such different tracks um such different conditions bloody sandstorm so um, I don't know if he was involved in that but anyway um, take it to Barcelona that's a better test yeah I think he will come on I do I think it's just how long it'll be yeah I hope uh, he does I think I think Adam and I are definitely here like really want him to but why come on it's yeah. nice when here like no I don't want him to no, let's uh, jump on a driver ha <laughs> ha <laughs> new driver to hate this is the new <laughs> <Yes>. Alex Alvin ha <laughs> ha Uh, the manic look in Nigel's eye just comes out the glint he's like Snape he's struggling next to his teammate I know I can jump on this Ah. let's talk (laughs) about Alpine because they are probably the happiest team over the Mercedes coming out of the weekend Mm. Uh, they had a really poor event in in, in Imola last time out but then they really turned things on in Portugal and Esteban Ocon in, in particular I thought he was a star of Corfan to, to get sixth place, uh, third row of the grid. And yes, Alonso came back in him, but I think Ocon had, I think Ocon is starting to show the form that he had when he was at Force India in the first two seasons of his F1 career. Yeah, Ocon's a perfect example of when you um, move teams to a car that you don't quite gel with, how long it takes you to kind of get on board with that car. Um, not bringing it back to the previous debate, but why not? Um, I think he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he was rubbish, so good all week. <laughs> um, um, that's from a few podcasts ago. Um, Ocon was only like, what, three thousandths off fifth place? And mm. I mean, we'll get to Science's fantastic qualifying later on, I'm sure. But um, Ocon was then really racy out of the blocks. He was really good through every qualifying session, every practice session. Top notch. I mean, 
where did he finish in the end? Seventh in the points, I think. Um, yeah. A second ahead of Alonso with Alonso um, suddenly coming alive on the hard tyres. I think Alonso Ocon um, did really well considering the tyres he was on and the strategy he was on. I think that's where Ocon shines. Yeah, agreed. Adam, you got anything on Alpine, Alonso or Ocon? Yeah. Nice. Nice for <laughs> them. I'm happy for them. They got <laughs> 10 points, which is good. I don't know. Great very analysis good. there. It's very good. 10 <laughs> points is really good considering they got three last mm. time out and they didn't get any in Bahrain and they were lucky to get those points. Mm. I think any, looking, any at it from a, looking at it from a wider perspective, kind of... It, it shows the fact that they're kind of so happy about this and it's kind of taken as such a good result maybe shows where they are in terms of their um, ambitions for this season. And compared to last season, this would probably be a poor result because they'd have dropped points to their midfield rivals. So I guess there's that element, but I don't want to rain on their parade because they did well. Ocon did very well. It's he He's done pretty well since... Alonso's joined and this was kind of the um, combination of that over the first three races I think it will be a high point I don't think they'll have many of these weekends this season but the fact that they were able to get a double points finish out of this is you know more power to them and Alonso got a good move done on Ricardo kind of at around 50 laps I think um, which is something that I don't think many of us expected to so or certainly I didn't expect to see many Alpine overtaking uh, McLaren's this season. So, yeah, happy for them. Go Alpine. Yeah. I think it's good. I think they've got every right to be happy. Um, they, I think they've proven to themselves that they can compete this season. I think maybe it's taken two races to unlock that in the car, but it, that happened in the same. That was the same last year. You look at their pre sort of round four or five form in 20, 2020. It was pretty shoddy, to be honest. Um, you had a few okay performances from Ricardo, but that was about it. And then they sort of they had an unlock of, an unlocking of the setup, and they were flying. And it looks like they've kind of done that again. Um, and if they they've maybe one or two upgrades, and it's going in such a good direction to boost them up there with an unlocking of the setup, they know exactly what they're doing with that car now. So I think I think we will see a lot more of what Adam doesn't doesn't expect to see. I think. <laughs> yeah. I hope uh, we do. I want them all to do well. We do. It's nice Even car. It's nice. Them all to do well. Even nice I'll livery. Down to 20 drivers to do well. Uh, <laughs> nice livery and a nice, yeah. nice, nice car well. kind of bulb on the top, which is quite cute, I think. It's really fat, though, isn't it? Yeah, but it's just like a big. <laughs> it's just like, oh my like, God, you, it's like an escape pod. You look, at all the, you look at all the other cars and they just like really taper in at the top and it's just like they're trying to have their engine cover as small as possible and Alpine is just, ah, we're going like, to Oh, you can get in, get in it if you want. Let's just climb into the top of the engine cover. Just have a look. It like, it it's like great for maintenance. Just go into it. Looks like it. it's trying to eat the other car. Like, I don't know. I like it. Um, so people say yeah. like if you see the yellow helmet of Senna in your mirrors, you you quake in fear and get out of the way in qualifying. With the Alpine, it's like, oh my God, how do I get out of the way? It's so big. <laughs> Thank God they're not lapping people. Out of context, Freddie. <laughs> so big. How do I get out of the way? It's so big. <laughs> it feels like a Monty Python sketch. Welcome to Nigel, the bring it back on course. You're hosting. Uh, Ferrari had a 
okay weekend, I guess. Leclerc out qualified. That's that was surprising, but then he did bounce back on race day. Sainz kind of went backwards and have really much pace on the medium tyres. I think he was on in the second stint. So yeah, yeah, it was a strategy oh. blunder. They went on the medium tyres on like lap fifteen. Yeah, to last yeah. Them for, made them last. So I wouldn't put it all laps. down on Sainz. I, I don't think. I think Ferrari. Yeah, it's not Sainz's yeah. fault. Um, yeah. But the tyres were going. The soft tyres were going quite early on um, for a lot of drivers, but they probably could have stuck with them in the way that the um, top teams did with their medium tyres. Um, but it's just like, yeah, they, they kind of had to pull the trigger to make something happen. Otherwise, they're going to be stuck in about sixth or seventh for so long. And they took a gamble and um, it didn't pay it off. Fair enough. They nearly got past Norris. Nearly did. But that was it, to be honest. Um I don't know. It took away from Science's fantastic qualifying performance. Yeah. Wow. Fifth place. Hats off, mate. Great job. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's... I don't know. I think like McLaren, it's the fact that they... The fact that for Leclerc, sixth is kind of par now is yeah. kind of says a lot, really. And um, yeah, Science being fifth was a very good qualifying from him. Probably... Second to Ocon, I'd say, in terms of the uh, you know best performances of the Saturday, and they did try something yeah. and it didn't come off. But I don't think you know they they still got a decent haul of points through Leclerc, and I you know I think it's again it's a lot of improvement from what we saw last year, and that's it's good that they're getting there and happy for them nearly. Well, it's a hard cool. one to be happy. You're right, Leclerc like keeps saying. Yeah, it's it's hard to be happy about being fifth or sixth when we should yeah. be fighting for first and that kind of thing. And you're right, sort of every race is a failure for Ferrari, but you've got to look at the little victories. Right, well, uh, let's talk about <laughs> the pessimism stakes, which is our mini series where we talk about Alpha Romeo because Adam and Freddie believe we did not talk about them enough last year. We've got a big talking point talk this weekend because. Year. Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi came together, which put Raikkonen out of the race. <clears throat> I mean, he was looking down as it, down at his steering wheel, wasn't he? And he just kind of ran into the back of him, which was a bit silly, I think. Mm, it's definitely yes. a glass half empty situation. Um, yeah, it's just I, I, I don't know. When when I saw it first time, it felt a bit like Giovinazzi maybe moved a tad back to the left and I think that just caught out Raikkonen and it's his kind of duty to make sure that he leaves enough space to overtake and leaves that margin there but I don't know it not really it kind of yeah it's yeah. not his duty to say know. oh please overtake no for Raikkonen to... oh for Raikkonen yeah it was he needs to leave. I don't he think needs... Jovan did anything wrong yeah that's what Jovan I mean Nancy he needs to leave ahead. yeah that's what I mean he needs to leave some you know margin that isn't half a millimetre but yeah it. I think Giovinazzi might have moved a tad over to the left and that was ultimately what sunk uh, Raikkonen and then he and then the front wing got caught under his car and he couldn't turn for the first corner and just kind of trudged to a stop there and brought out the safety car so yeah Raikkonen yeah it was it was I think it was just completely ridiculous like um even if you've got the wrong setting on your steering wheel, if you're that close in combat, it's kind of like, it looked so kind of obvious that he was going to hit him. 
Um, like you kind of think at least you would have one eye on, like you know, not keep you sort of staring intently at the steering wheel. I mean, this is like someone on on like the M1 trying to like change their song um, rather than looking at the junction they've got to go off. It's like it's and then crashing into the Alfa Romeo in front and getting their front wing stuck under their car. Exactly. It's <laughs> it's it's an amateur mistake that is just. I don't know. It, it, I don't, lap one, end of lap one, everyone's tucked in behind everyone, aren't you? You're not going to... I don't know. It, obviously, he, he made a mistake. on He changed something on the steering wheel. He'd done it wrong, so he needed to change it again and was checking that. And I appreciate that. And that's a bit of an effort. You've got to press a lot of buttons on these steering wheels. But it's just like, keep the racing in mind. Come on. Yeah, it was just silly. Just, yeah. But that's all you can say, really. Uh so should he get a penalty next week? Huh. Uh, nice throwback to the Imola podcast. No, because Andrew Vinazzi stayed in the race. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it impacted Riker. It, didn't, it was lucky he didn't impact Giovinazzi, um, to be fair, because yeah, that could have, that could have completely torn apart his tyre and spun him on the pit mm-hmm. straight and caused a big accident, a big, big accident. And also, everyone's lucky that Riker was able to kind of break a little bit like he couldn't break much, he couldn't steer, but he could break a bit. But you get your front wing stuck underneath the wheels, and you just go. You're a passenger. That's happened to Alonso in Malaysia 2012, I want to say, or 11, 13, 13, Malaysia 13. Um, his wing just came off, you know, boom, straight off. And it's it's scary. It was scary. I, I kind of thought he was going to collect someone, to be honest, but and then he just beached it in the gravel, and then the the marshals took about 50 weeks to get him off the track. But, um, I just anyway. realised why Adam has asked that question and I, <laughs> I think it might come back to haunt me. Well, let's move on. Uh, Alpha Tauri fell back a little bit. I only just realised. He said off. it. I yeah, said it. Well. I said throw back to the Imola podcast immediately. Yeah, I know, but I, I just realised the answer I gave. And, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Alpha Tauri fell back a little bit compared to... Yeah. The first two races, Aston Martin still haven't yeah. shown anything. Yes, Russell got into Q3. Have either of you got any thoughts on either of those teams? Nice move from Gasly at the end to get a point. Again, it's that Alpha Tauri that they're not, even when they're doing well, they've not been able to get double points finishes, and that's continuing so far. Sonoda's, after he performed so well in Bahrain, he seems to be, he's not quite hit that level again yet. And I think. I think it's it's maybe showing AlphaTauri, yes, they're good, but they're not, you know, they're not going to be fighting at the front of the midfield week in, week out. They are kind of they're just a half step below the Ferrari and McLaren, I, and that's fine. I think they missed the chances in the first two races. I think I said that yeah, I'd agree. each race. And they, they've, they've really missed the chance to score, say, double-figure points for both cars, and now the back where they are, oh, yeah, they did miss the boat. Yeah, I think you're right. It's I think there will be a few races where they do pop up again. I think it will be there'll probably be some characteristics to this track that have completely thrown them a bit. We had that with a few cars in the race, but just so slow. Look at George Russell and just cars that couldn't compete in the in the race. And I think Alpha Tauri was still actually okay in regards to that, but you could tell this track had a much more of an impact, or at least the conditions around the track, the wind and stuff like that, and the, the slippery conditions have much more of an impact on their car than the the griffier tracks and the more kind of steady tracks that we've had previously. So 
I think there will be time to shine for AlphaTauri again this year. But I don't know. It, 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 um, you're right. It kind of you'll make you sit up a bit more if you're if you're working there. Yeah, and Williams and Haas, Mick Schumacher in particular, had a very good weekend. Yeah, I've qualified Mazepin again. I guess that's kind of expected. But his race pace was very good. He kept up with Latifi. And if Latifi wasn't there, he could have done even better, I think. So I think Schumacher is definitely... Yeah, I don't know whether the track suited him, whether he's getting used to the car, maybe a bit of both. I thought I was quite impressed by his performance at the weekend. What did you two make of it? He spent a lot of time tracking um, Latifi in the second stint before he finally made his move. I, I thought it was really strong um, overall, to be honest, even from practice. And then going through, it's it's with Schumacher, he's managed to keep a low profile despite being the most touted driver to come into the sport possibly ever, um, which is kind of, I guess, partly testament to um, him just keeping his head yeah, head down and being able to focus on the job in hand and also the Haas's atrocious pace. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not always the easiest. And we've seen this with Williams and Russell over the last few years. It's not always easy to kind of evaluate um, drivers when they're just kind of in that basement battle driving around lap after lap. But from what we did see, he was he was very good. And just, yeah, I was so impressed by the way he stayed with Latifi and then finally made his move. Yeah, I'm exactly the same with that. Like, it was really impressive the way he was able to stick with Latifi all while being lapped and then get back to being within a second of him. And then the gap would go up because of the lapping. Then he'd get back to being within a second of him. And he was able to stick within a second of him for so, so long. And it was, honestly, that's, Really good. I mean, Latifi's probably had issues with his tyres, which enabled that to be um, possible. But Mick Schumacher didn't let that stop him and just pressured and pressured and pressured Latifi into a mistake. And Latifi locked up, went wide at turn three. And um, Schumacher just was like, all right, and went straight through. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't make a crucial mistake and got past and drove away from Latifi. Um, I wasn't keeping an eye on his pace relative to Russell. I don't know if he was closing on Russell, but... Um, he, he did a really good job, really good job, really knows what he's doing. He's clearly picked a lot up in the first two races because this was a much better performance. Um, and he just grew and grew and grew over the first few races. I expect Haas are going to be very, very happy to split the two Williams cars. Mm. Schumacher's driving style, I don't think I've ever talked about this. He, if, even throughout his F2 career, he turns in quite early. The, the front tyres, it all generate more heat, which is why uh, Sochi and Monza last year in F2 won there, because those tracks are quite low deg. So I think that kind of helped in Portimao, because there was it's a pretty low degradation track and you want to generate the tyres mm. which everyone was struggling with. So I think his, his driving style helps him, or helped him at the weekend uh, to generate the heat in the front tyres and, and I think it paid off. So it wouldn't surprise me to see to see him if he repeats it again at tracks which aren't that hard on, on the tyres. Not a great style for next week though in Barcelona. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a very high day track. Very much is going to um, not favour that um, yeah. high energy style. But anyway. Yeah, that's why he was kind of like on and off in the F2 season, I think. He, mm. he wasn't, he was like, he was consistent, but he was never at his best consistently, I'd say. But, but yeah, it was Great. Right, he never okay. qualified on the front row in the F2 season. Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah. 
Uh, there any Mark other of a good racer. But now let's talk about the track actually, because Max Max Verstappen was very vocal about it. He said he doesn't want to come back to support a mile. He said he did not enjoy one single lap in the whole weekend. Is that something you to agree with? Well, obviously you didn't drive, but is it in his fault? <laughs> yeah, drive, I, I mean, did my fair bit. I think I was in the minority last year that didn't really rate the Portuguese Grand Prix, and I think this is, I don't know. Vindication a, a, or not? A, no, well, no, because I want to see, you know, I want it to be a good track. I want there to be more good tracks that everyone goes to. But it's, yeah, it's, it just doesn't seem to offer, I think, that much different from what we've already got. And I think this was a massive opportunity for it. And we saw, I think the race at Imola kind of really changed the perception of that track because there was such an exciting race after um, quite a boring one last year. And that will be what a lot of people remember now from Imola for a new generation of fans. They'll remember that race, even if it's not on the calendar again or on the calendar again for another 15 years. And Portimao, I don't know. I don't think either race has been that memorable. I'd be surprised if we head back there. And yeah, but, you know, it's not the worst track on the calendar. I think the opposite. I think it is very different to, to other tracks due to the track surface. The, I love the roller coaster you know, type thing it has. Well, words, there you go. Well, yeah, I think the, I think the low grip, I think that Let's is that different down. to what we normally see. Yes, the drivers are complaining, but they always want more grip. They always want more power, you know. So I think it it's something different. Yes, it doesn't suit everyone's taste, but the calendar needs variety. Mm. I think Portugal... It needs some boring races and some exciting races. Well, the track wasn't why it was a boring race. Yeah. It's Mercedes were able, I mean, it kind of comes down to the track of the way. The Mercedes were able to work a bit better on the low grip conditions. And if Red Bull were able to fight with them some more on the low grip conditions, then it would be, I don't know, it'd be a fantastic race, that kind of thing. It's, um, if it was wet, it'd be a fantastic race. Like, look at Turkey last year. Turkey had this low grip um, phenomenon to such a degree that no one could drive a lap around it without sort of nearly spinning off. And that was saved, to be honest, by the fact that it rained. If it didn't rain, I mean, Turkey would have been an embarrassment last year. So who knows what it's going to be like in, in, in June this year. Um, but anyway, like the track, it's just been, was resurfaced and not rubbered in before last year and not rubbered in since really. It's had a couple of MotoGP routes, but they've, they've been too late in the year for them to make much of an in- impact um, in terms of grip. You needed to have like a really sort of hot summer to get the tarmac to sort of, the asphalt to sort of like ooze around a bit and settle. So it's still pristine on top. And like, I kind of think if it was a, a bit more of a sort of aggressive surface, it would be all right, to be honest. I think it'd be good fun. I, mean, I, I thought the race was quite good. I thought it was a great race yesterday because we had, it's not often you see top three running within two seconds. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really good. The start of the race was fantastic. Go wheel to wheel twice. Yes, we've been very lucky to see it three races in a row. But if you think about the last four or five years, it hasn't happened that much. It's happened a bit. But but not is that is that because of where the teams are at rather than the track? Yeah, the if it's track, happened th- three times this season, because not every track on the safety car restart can you attack like you can, and not every track can you swoop round the the, the outside of turn one. And I quite like that. 
exactly. there were lots of lines that gave the ability for cars within the the, the mid part of the circuit to um keep keep close as they wiggled through the track they were able to take different lines so they had different levels of dirty air so they were able to go faster and keep close and that's why you had um the top three running of Bottas, Verstappen, Hamilton or in any order really but mostly that order you're able to have them going close with each other and not having to back off not cooking their tires for a good 20 laps which is ridiculous like normally you have like three laps of attack we saw this in Bahrain Verstappen had a few laps of attack and then couldn't get past again couldn't get anywhere near to get past again because of his tires even dropping out of DRS and all of that like they had the ability at this track to do different things and to go crazy it's like the best bits of Kota but through the middle of the track yeah I mean you can overtake and you can race we saw that last year as well yes DRS might be a little bit too powerful I think that's just more a DRS thing rather than a track. And I do like the fast overtake round to one because it's, it is something different. There's not many corners or not many places on the calendar where, where we see drivers do that. So I think it offers something different with the low grip, with the, with the kind of racing that it, it creates, I think. I'd rather it be higher grip. I kind of think if there was high grip, the qualifying could have been something like the Imola qualifying where the cars can just push and push and push like there wasn't that level of supreme driver attack in qualifying that you, you could get and I think there could be more of that um, it, if it the track a was a bit skill, grippier which is what I like to see yeah that's it? true that's true um, that's true I, I appreciate that I kind of think for me I, I, I want it to be a bit more like um, just when you want to push the car you can really push the car and the way they were pushing the car and in Sunday's race was in an entirely different way and it, it left them exhausted afterwards. Hamilton got shattered, but um, it's like, yeah, I thought the race was all right. I would, I would like to go back there. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a bit annoying to hear everyone complain about it um, and that kind of thing, like with Verstappen going like, oh, I don't want to come back. It's like, it's a good article, but it's, it's a bit like, mm, all right, well, win. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are probably five tracks just off the top of my head that I'd rather see on the calendar but yeah. we go where we go um we go where we go with a terrible formula for racing and we can't really say too much about there being bad racing i think when you look at the cars it's a, i don't know I think you can say it i think I, I think you can say it about the cars a lot more than you can say about the tracks i think well, this season well, it's been good though they haven't they've been able to like be close to each other on pace but to race has been like it's been not fantastic. They've been able to race. It's, I think, personally, you see, it, it's not necessarily an overtaking fest every weekend, but you are seeing teams being able to race. You're seeing good rivalries developing up and down the grid, <sighs> I think. And you've had good racing at the front. There's been moves of the lead on in every race so far, which is what we yeah. want to see. Yeah, and that's great. And I think there'll be more of that with a better car that's what that's why we're angling for 2022 but who knows who knows uh, let's do 20 seconds on Callum Eilert I've just remembered he did take part in the weekend where I was he did better than I thought I'll say that did alright FP1 performance classic he's doing another one in France that's where you should probably evaluate when he's had a few more chances yeah good nice to see um, again hope he does well in France but it's 
good. He didn't bin it, and he seemed decently close to Raikkonen. Yeah, definitely. And I think that wraps up the podcast uh, for this or for today. Uh, we will be back hopefully uh, before Spain for a quick episode there. Uh, my thanks to Freddie, my thanks to Adam. You can find us on Twitter, Winging It F1, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Acast, pretty much anywhere if you want to listen and watch us. So until next time, we'll say goodbye. Bye.